a lot of people were sending me loop kits because I guess that's the new thing now. Like everyone's like, oh, let me send you loops. Let me send you loops. And they're just very amateur sounding. Like to me, when you send a loop to somebody, it needs to be something they would not have thought of. Peace, what's going down? It's CJ Payne, one for BeatStars.com in the spot with Lo-Fi, a man who needs no introduction. Uh, so I'm not going to give one, but we're going to learn about a lot about him. If, if you're not familiar with his brand, if you're not familiar with his work, what's up, sir? How are you feeling? Doing good, man. Feeling really good today. Just some background information. How long have you been making beats? How long have you been doing sound design? I think I started making beats in 2006 is when I first, first, first picked up like FL Studio. And um, I started taking it seriously, probably like 2015, 2016. Let's kick things off with a positive story. Uh, involving a potentially bad situation. So Little TJ's last single, Drops. Uh, uh, Lane Switch is the name of it. Right. It's, it's going crazy as as expected, and you get a tweet from somebody. What, is that, what does that tweet say? Oh, the tweet was like, uh, someone literally just hit me up saying, like, isn't that your MIDI? And I was just like, oh, let's see what that's about. And then I uh, play it, and immediately I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's it, definitely, for sure. So uh, that was pretty interesting. <laughs> But I, I love the story because I think a lot of people would feel a little defensive, a little uh, angry, a little violated. Perhaps we all go through through those feelings just because in the music business, we're hyper concerned with with having our intellectual rights infringed on. What did you do? You you didn't you didn't go on Twitter. You didn't rant. You didn't you didn't you didn't uh, contact anybody aggressively. So. Let's just talk about the right way to do things because the outcome was was really uh, favorable for everybody. What you want to do is is basically not lose your shit. I know that a lot of people get offended when that kind of thing happened, like you said. Uh, for me, like I literally saw it. I checked. I made sure I was correct. Um, and the first thing I did actually was reward the person who uh, came to me like that because people don't have to do that. There's, I'm sure there's times there's people who hear your stuff and they just like, oh, fuck that guy. So they don't even want to. You know, they don't even want to help you out. So I was just like, no, look, I gave him literally my entire kids bundle. And I said, like, here you go, bro. Like, that, that doesn't cost me a thing. Thank you for helping me. And the next thing I did is start looking for the management and the producers of the track. But, I mean, long story short, they are both from out of the country. So I, I think uh, JD was in Brazil and uh, Nagra was in, uh, I think it's either New Zealand or Australia, I forget. So our time differences was crazy. So I was talking to their managers who were here and we were just sorting it out. And I was just telling them like, hey, man, I don't want to get, you know, really messy with this or whatever. Like, let's get this solved quickly and quietly because, you know, could have been a mistake. Maybe not. I don't know. But it is what it is. That's my property. So you have to play ball. No reason to get worked up about it at all. Like, it's it's cool. It's a free placement for me. <laughs> and you, you got that. I think resolved, you said, within a day? Yeah, it was resolved within hours. Um, because basically, like, the the way I approached the manager, Nagra's manager got to me first, and he basically connected me straight to Nagra, who um, Nagra was, like, open to it, and then basically said, yeah, it's my MIDI, right? And then he said, oh, well, I made it the melody so long ago, I forgot about it. But basically, he said, oh, yeah, that's yours. And right away, it was just, so how much do you want? You know, my bad and da 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 But I'd rather just, you know, build a relationship. So we just kept talking and talking, and we found common ground. And turns out he's, like, really cool. Like, it was, you know, it was whatever. It was just an instant mistake. 
So now we're working together on other projects and, you know, other placements and things like that. So I'd rather take a bad situation and flip it to something possible, like, you know, possibly good and something favorable for both people. Whereas a lot of people want to fly off the handle and try to get some cloud or, you know, try to start something just to get some more attention to them. I'd rather just get get a good relationship with everybody I come across. So a conversation that's connected to that one is one that I, that I saw unfold maybe about a month ago or so. Um, it's a conversation about non-royalty free samples, which kind of spread across this, the producer social media landscape. And there was... Yeah this small scale rebellion against sound designers and sample library creators who ask for a percentage of ownership uh, in any songs that are created using their samples. Did you get wrapped up in that conversation at all? I used to get wrapped up in all of that stuff, but I just backed out. I feel like if you don't understand what it is by now, you've either never been in that position or you're purposefully being obtuse. You know, you're, you're, ignoring all the info out there about it on purpose just so you can remain with your opinion I, it's to me it's it's crazy because people be like oh yeah if i use your loop i shouldn't have to give you anything and i'm like but you would never sample an old record and be dumb enough to release that like you would never do that to yourself you would never tell kanye i took your your you know melody from from college dropout on something i don't think you should get paid like you would never say that. It's only it's almost like small or up and coming producers are only okay screwing over other up and coming producers. And I'm just like, I don't understand that. So I backed out of that conversation like last year. If you don't get it by now, you probably just don't want to understand. I think most producers do respect it. And as somebody who is known as a sample based producer for better or worse. Um, I would love to give somebody, another producer, 15%, 20% of my record. Uh, yeah, having already dealt with sample clearance and how much they actually take from producers, which I, yeah. I think is an entirely <laughs> new conversation that I would love to have because I think it's ridiculous that if you sample somebody and then come to them before that's even released and do all the all the right things, they still want to take 100% from me when you didn't take 100% of their record. So it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. And that's, I, I feel like that's where sound designers are so needed now because yeah. it's such a good compromise for everybody. Yeah, it's a good way to, uh, it's almost like subverting that entire process because sample clearance is horrible. Uh, you, you know it. You know albums get pushed back by, for months waiting on one sample to clear. I have no idea what takes it so long. And, you know, they come back with some crazy stuff. I remember Drake had an old story where, uh, what was it on on uh, on? It's not the Thank Me Later project. Um, I don't know. One of his older projects, he had a song come out where they wouldn't respond to clearing it, and they came back and took a hundred percent of the record. Um, and I was just like, Jesus Christ! Like, imagine having a record and someone just snatches the entire thing, and they were the ones who wouldn't answer. So I mean, you see guys out there like Q Beats, um, Frank Dukes, you know, people like that, uh, Des Wright over there in L.A. Uh, people like that are crafting their own samples with the intent of let me take 15, 25, 50% of the producer split or something like that. And they're racking up because that's a, that's a new, you know, it's a new method of doing business and it's an instant clear. So it's favorable for everybody involved. Moving on to another related topic, uh, networking. Obviously you've networked with a ton of producers and the situation with, uh, the two producers behind the, the little TJ track 
uh, one of whom I interviewed, JD on track. Shout out to him. Uh, you yeah. networked with them in in um, approaching that situation maturely and professionally. Now, you've networked with producers, with with label staff, publishing company staff, recording artists, artist managers. What would you say has been the most powerful marketing strategy for you? For me, I think uh, I think the most powerful thing I have going for me is that I don't consider myself to be famous or even like Z-list celebrity, nothing like that. Like some people in the prediction in the producer community know me, but for the people who have come across me, like I make it so that people who know me can vouch for me. So whenever someone checks my name, I'm not attached to no trash. I'm not ever in any kind of like negativity. And I think that helps a lot. Keeping your name clean is super important because I find that when I talk to people, like a lot of the times I'm surprised. I'll be like, I, I've heard of you. And I'm like, what? I'm just like, you? you? You've heard of me before? And they're like, yeah, 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 it's cool. And I also think the way you approach is the most important too, because I get 20, 25, you know, messages a day that literally just say hi and nothing else. Or they'll say something like, hey, big fan of your work. Uh, would love to to collab, bro. And I'm just like, this is so impersonal. Like, I just delete. I delete block whenever I get spam. So I basically reach out with intent. And I also try to form relationships with whoever it is I'm, I'm reaching out to. And I don't, I don't mean like, you know, stalk people and try to force a relationship because I only talk to people I actually support. But like, say for me and you, for instance, like way before I met you, I would be like, yo, I just came across a pain beat and it's crazy. And I would reach out just off the strength of that and say like, yo, this beat is dope and then keep it moving. Like, and for that, by the time I'm actually reaching out to someone to say like, hey, I wanted to send you something, they've seen my name a hundred times and I'm familiar by that point, not as a spammer, not as a troller, but as someone, they're just like, oh yeah, like he supports me. It's dope. And you and sent it, me but, stuff cool that was cool that I needed. I mean, you, I, I remember I reached out to you because I saw everybody using your drum kit for like an entire season and you just <laughs> yeah. said, oh, here, take it. Yeah. Uh, I have it and I use it. That's great networking. Cause then when we finally met, it was like, we already had a rapport built. And yeah. so any conversation that happens after that is always going to be based on a solid and positive foundation. Always. People don't understand that. That's, that relationship will take you further than any beat you got. Like everybody, once you, if you keep working at it, you're going to get dope at making beats. You're going to come up with new ideas. You're going to come up with hit records. It, like that's not the hard part. The hard part is the relationships to get in that room and play that beat for, you know, a young thug for amigos. That's the hard part. Everybody can make trap beats. It's whose beats will actually get heard. That's that's the most important thing. So aside from just sending messages that say hi, which I have an inbox full of right now, <laughs> uh, what are some other major networking mistakes that you see producers make? Oh, man. Um, thinking that nobody sees you when they do. People have burned bridges without even talking to the people they want to talk to before because, you know, a lot of people are trying to be funny. A lot of people are trying to troll thinking like, oh, what's the harm? Like, it's, it's just Twitter or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, until the person you're talking about, you know, sees what you say, and then a year later you want to reach out to them, and they know you as a person who was hating on them or whatever. Like, I think burning bridges is the worst because everyone thinks everything is a joke, and it's not. Um, another, another thing that people make a huge mistake with is their approach, I say, is 99% of the problem. Asking for handouts, uh, the way that you just slide in people's DMs, 
like I, I believe I spoke to someone recently, uh, might be at the uh, the MEC event, as a matter of fact. Um, someone asked me afterwards, like, so what do you do? And I was just like, here's the thing. If you like a producer, why don't they know that yet? If you fuck with their work or you see like they just landed on a project and then they're posting a clip of what they're working on, you should have already you know, been open enough and real enough to tell them like, yo, this is crazy. That 808's nasty or whatever. Because by the time you reach out to them, it should not be the first time that they've ever heard of you. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I did it for AO. When people say, someone asked me the other day, how do you know AO the producer? And it was based off of that. I was always complimenting him and studying his work. And then just based off of that, he was like, yo, who are you? And he started inviting me to stuff. And, you know, here we are 10 years later. It's the same thing. Smash David reached out to me off of a video I had did when I was uh, with Internet Money, when I did a remake for Get Mine by Bryson Tiller. He liked it and said, I got so close. He was impressed. He reached out and I just kept that relationship going because he'd already seen me complimenting and supporting and stuff like that. So if you're if you're trying to, to market yourself to a certain person, the first time that they see your name should not be when you slide in their DM, unless you've got a status like that. Like if you're Smash David, you probably don't have to introduce yourself, you know, but for the rest of us, like you need to have a rapport if you want a good shot of standing out, because otherwise, you know, people don't think when you shoot in the dark with the DMs, it doesn't even come up on their main screen in the messages. It comes up as, uh, you know, basically like the uninvited males and you're one of a thousand. Like you really need to have a rapport by the time you reach out to someone that you've never talked to before. Also on the topic of standing out, a lot of people are afraid of YouTube. A lot of people are afraid of everything. Everything's yeah. everything's saturated. Everything is yeah. already, you know, that, that ship has already sailed. Uh, and that prevents a lot of producers from starting YouTube channels or starting beat stores. Uh, and you recently started not one, but I think two YouTube channels for beats, right? Yeah. So I had a beat. I had a, a YouTube channel. I started in 2016 and it was running and I had a couple thousand followers, but when I wanted to make the transition to like doing like industry stuff or whatever, I stopped posting on YouTube completely. Like I just stopped. And when I went to A3C last year, there was a YouTube, some YouTube employees there who started talking about uh, what happens with the algorithm and what it looks for. And I showed them my YouTube and was like, yo, like what's going on? Why don't, when I post now, I don't get any traction or nothing. And you know, basically they told me some, you know, some stuff that's going on. And now I just like, I might as well just kill my channel off. And I was like, and, you know, beyond that, I felt like I didn't have enough, enough tangible support to, to keep it going. Cause I was like, you know what? Like I have a lot of, I have thousands of subscribers, but I'm only interacting with 15. I want to start over and, you know, have a base that I can actually interact with because that's more important. It's more important for me to have 100 followers and I talk to 100 people than to have 5,000 followers and like maybe 10 are just like, oh, this was dope. Like, I don't want that. So I started that over. And then, of course, our second uh, YouTube channel was for um, the 10. So my team that I started up uh, last year, right? I think it was last year. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, that that was the second one that we started up. We're going to start doing content and uh, we already post beats there, but there's going to be a lot of stuff on that channel that I've wanted to do for a while. So, yeah, it's tough, though. 
Okay, good good segue. So, um, tell me about the ten. That this is a team of producers and, and songwriters. Sorry, and sound sound designers that you've been working with for you said a little over a year now. Um, how how? Tell me about that. Tell me how it formed. What's your role in that team? How are you finding opportunities for them, etc.? So I can't tell everything because there's still like some details that we haven't told anybody about, really. But uh, no, you can tell me. You can tell me. I'll get, <laughs> I'll get close to it. So uh, what happened was uh, shortly after I left my last group, basically, I was like, okay, I can do things my way now. And I wanted to start working with friends that I had made over the years. And eventually I was just like probably like two months in. I was like, you know, I had an idea where I was like, if we were to put our resources together, because what you start noticing in the producer community is that everyone seems to know everybody, but separately. And like if we were to come together, share our resources, then we have better chances of making projects and networking easier and stuff. So I started pulling my friends together saying like, hey, you're dope. You should meet my other friend who is also dope and we could all work together. And I started pulling friends together, pulling friends together, pulling friends together. And then a situation came about where uh, we were basically talking about a label deal and uh, it was with uh, Interscope and, and some other people. But it fell through. But that's what made us officially become a group because at first I was saying, no, I don't want to be a group. Like, I just want to work with people I think are dope and, you know, spread the wealth. And basically they're like, no, like we got to make it official. There was paperwork, all of that was drafted up. So then I said, okay, let's officially do it. And that's when we became the 10 and there was 10 of us, of course. And um, I mean, from there on, we've been working together to get opportunities. It was basically the relationships we had, like we were surprised when you really start talking to people you see, like, they know important people, but don't know how to talk to them, maybe, or maybe they didn't have enough to offer to approach. And then when you put 10 minds together and, you know, share ideas and put together portfolios, you can start approaching those things. So now I'm I'm using my connections, their connections. We're sending stuff out pretty much every day now, every other day, every day, where we're sending out to different projects. We have A&Rs that are asking us stuff now. Uh, cross my fingers on that one for the second deal to go through but uh you know we'll see man like the, the tenant is going to do great i really want us to be a beacon in the community though more so than just getting placements a lot of producers are so enamored with chasing placements they think that's going to fix everything and it's not like uh I, there was an argument about that where i said look placements are you guys are putting placements on pedestals but the thing is, like, you're going to get your first placement that you've been so hungry for, and you're going to wake up the next day and realize you feel the exact same. Like, nothing has changed. Your bank account is the same. Like, you're still looking for the very next placement. Like, that's not where you're going to get your fulfillment from. Like, you guys have got to find uh, – you have to have a higher goal than just getting a placement. It, it really just it's, – it's whatever now at this point. Like, if you get a hit single, Awesome. But a regular placement, like, it's cool. It builds your catalog. It gets your name out there, maybe, you know, but it's on to the next every time you get one. So you're not just a producer who makes beats. You're also a sound designer. And sound design is now one of those arenas that's also approaching a, a similar critical mass as 
beat licensing or rapping. Um, what's yeah. your advice for the sound designers who want to get their, their products to a customer base of producers? Make sure you're ready. Um, a lot of people sent me, and I had to put a stop to it, but a lot of people were sending me loop kits because I guess that's the new thing now. Like Everyone's like, oh, let me send you loops. Let me send you loops. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. And I check them out, and they're just very amateur sounding. Like there's, To me, when you send a loop to somebody, it needs to be something they would not have thought of. It needs to be something like I tried to make my stuff lush. Like my first loop kit, I was inspired completely by Travis Scott production. And like it was heavy with synths, and my loops were like a minute and a half long each with the stems and like there were strings coming in in this part and there was real progression. Like I, you know, I, I put a lot of effort into it. If you're hitting like, you know, D F E G, you know, with a, with the with the bells from Omnisphere, no one needs that. You're not, you're not providing a service. You're basically just hoping to get lucky. And when you do things like this, you need to try to provide a service. Like you need to try to provide a service. You need to try to fulfill a need. So that's where guys like Frank Dukes comes in with his old sounding, you know, analog synths that no one seems to have. He's feeling a need. No one even knows how to replicate his stuff. Q-Beats, people are trying to replicate it, but just can't get it. So he's, you want to bring something dope to the table. Stop trying to make a quick buck before you're ready. Be ready by the time you send something out, because really you get one first impression. So for me, if you sent me a pack of loops, for instance... Which, I, which I'm going to do. Of course. <laughs> if you send me a pack of loops and it's dope, we're going to keep working, right? But if you send me a pack of loops, I'm like, what the hell is this? You just shot yourself. Like, for you to get a second chance is going to be another mountain to climb. Like, don't even do that. Be right the first time that you send something. Okay, so speaking of what's what's happening in my background, you've been with BeatStars for a while, and you were actually an early adopter of their mobile app before before oh, yeah. I even had a copy because well, we're not going to talk about the platform wars. Uh, what makes you continue <laughs> to use BeatStars to this day as your beat licensing platform, as a, a platform for selling kits? To me, customer service is important. I've worked so many customer service jobs like in my life that I started looking for that in things that I use. So unlike Airbit, unlike Track Train or whoever else is out there, with BeatStars, I literally can reach out to Abe whenever. You know what I mean? Like that's that's a rare thing where you can reach out to someone if there's an issue. I remember when BeatStars, you know, when the, the platform war started, I remember there was like a glitch and I literally just screenshot it and sent it to Abe and he had it fixed the next day. And I was like, you see, like this is different. Um, and that goes beyond the product itself which to me, I think is complete. It's a complete product. Um, whereas you pay the fee for BeatStars, which a lot of people are really reluctant to do for some reason, but you pay the fee for BeatStars and you get your website, you know, you get everything in one place. It's all organized for you. Like I dropped my Squarespace account for my BeatStars account. Like everything is done for you. It all works the way it should. It's been updated somewhat recently where everything is streamlined Compared to Airbit, and I do have an Airbit. I do have a Airbit account. I have a Track Train account. I just like BeatStars more. I think that it's just the most complete product. And whenever I have an issue, I know I can get it fixed like right away. Not only that, but even if you didn't care about the product, even if you didn't care that customer service um, wasn't was, even if you don't care about customer service, you're like I'll never use it. Like the other thing is, BeatStars has the sauce right now. So just from a business perspective, 
like with the the with all this you know hoorah going around right now about old town road and other big songs coming off of beat stars it only makes sense to go to beat stars if all the customers that you're aiming to get are in one place you need to be in that place to get them that's that's common sense to me from a business perspective yeah shout out shout out to young kia really dope guy actually talked to him a few times really cool man awesome story all right last question it's a hell of a question okay how has fatherhood changed your process as a musician oh wow yeah it changed everything man um you know when she was born it was uh just a few months ago it was december 22nd i knew it from the first moment i held her i was like wow everything just changed because i thought i was going as hard as i could and i was like yeah you know i'm, I'm bouncing lo-fi i'm bouncing the 10 I'm sitting here working a job now too, so I could, prov- I, you know, I got to make sure I have enough saved uh, for her. I was, like, I need a steady check. We got to move to Atlanta. I was, like, I got to get a job again. And I was like, I'm literally strung out. Like I, I'm using every hour of the day. And then she was born, and I was like, nope, got to double it up. I got, I got to dig deeper and go harder. So for her now, she gives me more drive, more purpose. Where. If I I don't even like use my phone to play around much anymore. Like I'm conscious of everything I do and I'm way more business oriented now. Like, you know, our group makes a lot of beats, hundreds of beats a week. I'm hardly making beats at this point. Like everything I make, I'm in love with, but I'm making like four beats a week at this point because I'm mostly doing administrative stuff, trying to get deals going, trying to make the next play for the team. Like I'm not even doing for myself my first big goal is to get everybody on my team you know everybody quit your job everybody here's six seven figures like that's my first job so i've turned into a complete businessman next to her being born so i look at things a lot differently um i think that she basically made me hyper focused she made me hyper focused where i went from like i would be really nice to, to make X amount of dollars a year to it has to happen and I need it within the next six months. So she basically put my back to a wall and, and made me go get it. So it's awesome. It's a beautiful thing. So on that note, people who wanted to reach out to you, uh, they want to hear beats, they want to get your, your kits, which are amazing, your sample libraries, which I use all the time. Uh, how do they do that? Yeah. Uh, here's a gem. Everybody should be easy to reach. Make sure all your handles everywhere match. So if I have it, it's at LoFi. So it's twitter.com slash LoFi, Instagram.com slash LoFi, YouTube.com slash LoFi, whenever I can get my subscribers up again and get that done. Uh, everything I have is at LoFi. All of my gamer handles for Xbox, PlayStation, same thing. So anything at LoFi. If I don't have it, then it doesn't exist. That's the only way. Well, once again, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, thanks for a really uh, honest and revealing interview and we will check in with you very shortly of course my man of course take care man all right you too peace